Well, what a Sunday to come back to. I don't know. I've been away for two Sundays. Um, and that was just, it was just fantastic. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't feel ready. I don't feel done with worship right now. Like I feel ready to go. I'm like, Dave, have you got five more songs we can do? Let's just, let's just worship right now. But I still feel a bit amped. I need to calm down a bit. So I, I just want to invite you right now. It says in the, the, the Bible, it says in the Psalms, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So why don't you just start to, 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 make a joyful noise to the Lord right now because I still feel pumped. He is still worthy of all our praise and adoration. I think it's a great time to come back. Great Sunday to come back. So right now, as it feels awkward, there's no guitar here. Why don't you just, whether it's a clap, whether it's a shout, why don't you just start to lift the noise up and we're going to sit here until we actually do it. So if you're sat there now going, well, if I don't make eye contact with Ben, he's, we're going to sit here until we actually start making a noise and we can do better than that noise as well. So start to make a noise unto the Lord right now. Church, he is worthy of your worship and praise. He is worthy of it all. Father God, we just thank you. We have an opportunity to come and learn what you might be saying to us today. We have an opportunity to open our hearts up to you and encounter the living God. And may that wonder never cease within our lives. May we never get bored of the fact that, that we get to encounter God. God invites us into relationship with us. That the one who created all things by all things and through all things, we have an, an opportunity to come, no matter how we are feeling, no matter what we have done, we have an opportunity to come to you. And Jesus, we're just so grateful for that. We are so pumped, we are so glad that we come into your presence. So Father, would you come now? Would you open our hearts to hear what you might say in your holy name? Amen. Amen. So we are continuing our series on the summer fruit, and I've been tasked with supernatural kindness and goodness, supernatural kindness and goodness. So in Galatians 5.22, let's just remind ourselves what it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And what we need to point out at the very start as well, it's really important, and I hope you get this, you've got this already by now, is that the, the fruit of the Spirit are also the characteristics of God. They're the characteristics of Jesus. They show us some of Jesus. And so what we do is we say to the Holy Spirit, come and fill our lives, come and flood our lives. And the Holy Spirit comes and brings with it the characteristics of God. And so he starts to grow these fruits within our lives. And, and today we're looking at two of those fruits, kindness and goodness. Isn't it great that God is kind? Isn't it great that God is good? And so as we're on this journey of um, sanctification, that's a long word. Some of you are thinking, well, what on earth does that mean? Uh, sanctification is this process of becoming more and more like God, more and more like Jesus. And we are on this journey of sanctification. When we sign up and we become a Christian, we say, okay, I'm going to start this journey where day, daily I start to look differently. I start to act differently because the Holy Spirit comes in and starts to change some things within us. And that's where the fruit of the Spirit come into our lives. The characteristics of Christ. The character of God. So we're going to start with kindness. We're going to start with kindness, the fruit 
of the Spirit, that is a kindness. Kindness is a command we often use to hear from our parents. I, mean, I used to hear it all the time from my parents. Maybe you didn't, maybe you were great and you were already kind, you didn't have to. I was the youngest, I am the youngest of, of three. Um, and it was like all the time, like Ben, be kind to your older siblings. Ben, be kind, Ben, Ben, be kind. I heard it all the time. And maybe you've used that and you've told, you've, you've got children of your own. You have to say it to your children. Maybe you've said it to your dogs. Maybe you, you've said it to, to, to whatever you've said it. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, th- I'm just thinking of you there, Chris. Maybe you've said it to your dogs who say, be kind to each other. Um, it, it's, it's often something that like a command that we give and is often a superficial attitude. Often a superficial attitude that we stick on. It's like a, a smile, even though we really can't stand that person. But I, I'm going to smile anyway because I'm being kind. But I am going to talk about them behind their back as soon as they walk off. Kindness is like a superficial attitude, but it's actually more than that. You see, it's not just an indulgence, but it's a characteristic of Christ. It is a characteristic of Christ and a fruit which the Holy Spirit grows us in. Mother Teresa says this, she says, Be the living expression of God's kindness. Give not only your care, but also your heart. Because kindness is the supernatural attitude that starts within our heart. It's not simply giving but it's also about a heart transformation. I wrote this and I'm really proud of it. So if I can get an amen afterwards, I'd be really grateful. It says, it isn't a superficial pose, but a supernatural position. Thanks. There was one. There was, no, no, that was, that was it. I was really proud, but obviously no one else is. So it's like... Amen. <laughs> Let me say it again. It isn't a superficial pose, but a supernatural position. Today, what I want to talk to you about really is is this idea that we often have these poses, goodness, being good, kindness, being kind is often like a pose, a mask that we wear, but it's not that. God doesn't call it that. He doesn't ask us to be, to have a pose, but to be in a supernatural position where our disposition is kindness. We can't help but being kind because that's just a part of who we are. People say, oh, aren't you awfully kind? And you're like, I don't know, am I? I don't notice it anymore because that's who I am. I'm not putting on an act. That's just who I am. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have... I haven't got my notes here, so excuse my, uh, and just like that, there we go. (laughs) Where was I? 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and, and have all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all I have, all I possess to the poor, 
and give over my body to hardship that I may not boast, that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. I, it's just like verse three. If I give all I have to the poor, we would often say, well, it's an awfully kind thing. You don't have to do that. But if I have not love, then it's nothing. Because kindness is rooted in love. Kindness is the overflow of, of love. Established there, rooted there. But also, as we know, love can be saying no. Thank you. Love. <laughs> love can also be saying no. It can be withdrawing. It can be in stern word. Kindness often isn't what we expect it to be. It isn't simply the smile or the care or the giving, but is often kind to say no. A stern conversation with your child about why they can't put their hand in the fire and their child thinks that's not kind mum, that's not kind dad, I want to be able to do this. But actually it is the kind thing. There was a, a video recently, um, it's like my favourite video at, at the moment and it's in America somewhere and um, and this child walks out onto their little balcony area, their little like decking. And there's a, there's a bear that just starts walking. If anyone's seen this video, please talk to me. It's like my favorite video. There's, there's a bear that walks towards the house and the child is there and the mother's there and the child's like, can I pet that dog? <laughs> and the mum's like, you definitely can't pet that dog. It's a bear. So she like grabs hold of the hand and all the child is just keep saying, can I pet that dog? Can I pet that dog? Just getting louder and louder and louder. And to the child, she's thinking, why on earth is my mother pulling me away from this lovely looking dog? I just want to pet the dog and everything will be fine. But the kind thing there isn't to say, yeah, go on. Yeah, let's, let's watch what happens. The, the kind thing there is to pull the child away and say, no. You can't pet that bear. You can't do that. Kindness is often withdrawing. And that's what God's, God's kindness, kindness is like to us as well. Often puts us in places that we don't understand. And we're saying, yeah, but I wanted that promotion, God. Why didn't you give me that promotion? Yeah, but God, I wanted to be over there. Why is that not happening for me? Why is that relationship broken? God, what's going on here? And his, in his kindness, God protects us. And we don't always understand why. And like a child, often question what on earth is going on. But his kindness protects us even when it stops us and closes that door. It's been said that kindness is also looked at like a surgeon who must make an incision to remove a cancerous tumour. Now, imagine you walk into a, a surgery, not knowing what on earth is going on, and all of a sudden you see this bloke dressed up in some scrubs with a knife cutting someone open. You're thinking, what on earth is happening here? That seems barbaric. That does not seem, that seems like some weird form of torture. What's actually happening? 
Those actions are crazy if we don't fully understand. And it's similar with God, this great physician who helps us. Like a surgeon has to make the cut in order to remove the tumor for our benefit. It's the kind thing to do. See, kindness can be giving, caring, but it can also be stern. It can also feel painful. When Jesus flipped the tables, in, as, as we read, he enters the temple courts and he sees that the people are selling and, and they're extortionate and, and, and he goes in, he flips the tables. He's like, this is not on. I'm not having that. Jesus was no less kind when he flipped the tables. He was still kind and in his kindness, he flipped the tables. It's the same Jesus that was just as kind to heal people. And when he rebukes Peter and calls him Satan, which every time I say, I'm like, that's just mad. I, it's like, I don't think, like, that's just, like, imagine that the savior of the world looking at you and saying, get behind me, Satan. He was no less kind to Peter than he was when he turned the water into wine at the wedding of, of Cana. He was still just as kind. And often we think kindness is this event, this standalone event. Oh, wasn't that kind? But it's a spiritual transformation. A spiritual transformation. The fruit of the spirit, it grows within us and transforms us from the inside. The kindness of God within us. It can feel uncomfortable and often can feel like conviction and God's firmness. But on this journey of, the, remember that long word, sanctification, on that long word, that, that journey of growing more like Christ, we see, uh, we see kindness as this beautiful attribute that we can grow in. So that's kindness. Now on to the second part, goodness. Now, um, is this being recorded, Dave? Yeah, okay. Because Pastor Nigel sent me some notes. Um, he sent me some, like, he had, had this little book and he sent me some notes. He's like, oh, here's some notes. You could have a look at that. And the very first line, okay, the very first line of goodness says this. Most commentators agree that goodness is the hardest fruit to define. So if you are listening, Pastor Nigel, thanks for that. Because this is the hardest one that I could have had. Um, what does it mean to be good? I mean, we get, we use that all the time. I mean, Chris, you definitely use good for your dogs, right? Good boy, good, good. We like, we, what's it even mean? What does good mean? We use it so often that we just don't even understand. So my, my sister has this Chihuahua stroke Pomeranian dog. It's this brown little fluff built ball, little dog syndrome, like mad. Like he just thinks he can take on the world sometimes. And what he does is this is very fascinating. There'll be a big dog walking towards him, like a, like a, like a, whatever it is, German shepherd, whatever. There'll be a big dog walking towards him and he'll like, he's like, okay, I'm going to hide behind your legs now. So he'll run behind someone's legs or run off the other way and hide. As soon as that dog's gone past, he's like, yeah, you better walk. Like, you better keep going. Like, I was going to get you. I was, he's like fully like, like, oh, barking away. So when he doesn't do that, 
we were always like, good boy. Well done, good boy. Like, oh, it's good, it's good that you didn't bark at that dog. What does goodness mean? We say it all the time. Like that movie was good, the meal was good, that behavior today was good. But, but good is not simply doing things that are pleasing. Supernatural goodness is about the inner things. In fact, it's probably more non-verbal than it is verbal. It's not really about the outwards. It comes hand in hand with, with kindness because actually it's an attitude, not an action. A position, not a pose. A position of goodness. And actually we see God's goodness in the Bible. We're going to turn that now to uh, Exodus, Exodus 33. It's a real good picture of God's goodness. It's one of my favorite passages. Um, Exodus 33, if you've got your Bible and you want to turn there, that's great, but I'm going to read it for you anyway. It, basically, just a little bit of background. Um, in, in, in the Old Testament in particular, so when Jesus died and rose again, which we celebrate at communion, what happened is that the, the veil of the curtain, there was a place called Holy of Holies. That's where God rested. That's where God dwelt. And it tore in two. So now we have access to God. So we can access God here. We can access God on the street. We can access God anywhere. But in those times, God sort of, his holiness was so, so intense. There was no way back to God since the fall of man and man couldn't really encounter it. So God used to dwell in places used to dwell in, in confined places where he used to, to be. Uh, and Moses sort of, he has to leave Mount Sinai um, and he makes this tent, this tent of meeting where he speaks to God face to face. It's just an incredible moment. I could talk about that, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to get distracted. Um, and so he, meets this, he makes this tent of meeting where he meets God face to face. And then verse 12, he says this, Moses says to to the Lord, see you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I found favor in your sight, please show me your, now your ways that I may know that you in, may know you in order to find favor in your sight. He said, my presence will go with you. That's what God says in return. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with us, do not bring us out from here. For how shall it be known that I found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, this is the very thing that, that, uh, that you have spoken, I will do for you. For you found favor in my sight and I know you by name. And then Moses said, and it's just completely out of the blue. He just says to God, now show me your glory. Now show me your glory. And he says, God replies to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I'll be gracious on whom I have be gracious. And I'll show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face. 
for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by where you shall stand on a rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So he says, show me your glory. And God's reply is, you can see my goodness. You can see my goodness. You, you, can, you can encounter my goodness. You can't see my glory because you won't live, but you can see my goodness. So what happens is he goes up the mountain. He goes into the cleft of the rock. And if you flip the page in 29, there's an effect of encountering God's goodness. There's an effect when you encounter God's goodness, when the fruit of God's goodness grows within you, there's an effect to your life. So listen, this is, this is important now. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of testimony in his hand and he came from down from the mountain, Moses did not, have, uh, did not know that the skin on his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the other people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. So Moses speaks to them and it says then in verse 34, whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak to him, he would remove a veil until he came out. And when he had come out and told the people of Israel, he was commanded. The people would see the face of Moses, the skin of Moses was shining and Moses would put the veil back over his face again until he went in to speak with him. He encounters the goodness of God. And it completely changes his, his life. His face is, is, is transformed, it's shining, it's different. When, when the goodness, when God's goodness comes and dwells within your life, your life changes. This is a fruit that doesn't leave things the same. It's a fruit that isn't, isn't content with you carrying on the way it was. You are different from the inside out. And people notice that you're different. The rest of his life, he has to wear a veil over his head. Because God's goodness moves. Kindness is deep-rooted in love and goodness changes you. Goodness doesn't leave you the same. When God made all of creation, what does he say when he makes the whole of creation? It is good. He makes everything good. And then sin enters the world, right? And everything all of a sudden becomes not good. The perfect definition of the word is, is the fact that it's, it's not corrupt. It is pure. His goodness is, is purity. It is holiness. It is him. And our souls within us are constantly fighting to be back to what was once there. We are constantly searching. People suppress the search. They walk around and say there's no God because they are constantly, but constantly over and over. I mean, Tracy probably sees it as well within a hospital. The amount of conversations when people are faced with death, where they start searching once more, there's got to be more because our souls are searching. They understand that there is good and there was good and there was purity. But what I'm facing right now makes me rediscover what on earth is the meaning of it all. This goodness 
we search for. Everyone wants a good life. Constantly searching. And so no man has ever been perfect, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all fallen, but there was one perfect human being and his name is Jesus. His name was Jesus. He lived a good life, like actually good. A pure life. And remember that the fruit of the Spirit teach us the characteristics of Jesus. And so when all of a sudden we have this fruit, what's the best way to grow in the fruit of, of goodness and kindness? It's to recenter ourselves on Jesus and learn more about Jesus. There's this guy called George Muller. He was from Bristol, I believe. And in the 19th century, um, he cared for loads of, like, loads of orphans. Um, it, it, was, it was said that his, he showed specifically goodness, the fruit of goodness. Like that was his main, like he was, he was a good man. And he showed the fruit of goodness greatly within his life. And he was asked, what's the secret of it all? What's the secret of your ministry? And he said this. He said, I died to myself. My opinions, preferences, tastes, and will died to the world, its approval or censor. Died to the approval or blame even of my brethren and friends. And since then, I have only to, to show myself approved of God. I'm only interested in one thing now, and that's God's approval. And that's getting close to God. So what do we need to remember about goodness? Well, well, the psalm says it follows us all our life and we're constantly chasing after God's goodness. Where is God's goodness? But it is following you all of your life. You know, you look back and you see God's goodness. Like right now, as, as Becky was saying, it's incredible because we're singing of the goodness of God. And as Becky was up here speaking, I was like, you know, that's so, like, so, so great what Becky said, because there's so many people who are probably singing the goodness of God and are facing situations where they don't see goodness, like truthfully. They're saying like, yeah, God, I know, I know you're good. I can, I know, I can sense your goodness, but I don't see it. Like, I, like everyone keeps telling me and I, I, I have encountered it maybe in the past, but right now I'm singing of the goodness of God in the midst of pain, in the midst of hurt, in the midst of defeat. Where's the goodness of God? And often it's only when we look back in our rearview mirror that we see the goodness of God. It follows us all our life and it changes us. Have you ever looked back and have said, like, I'm not the same person I was back then. Like, my life has been completely changed. Why? Because God's goodness, the fruit, has come in and completely changed. So I'm going to invite Dave back, if that's all right. If... We're, going to, um, we're going to gather around the communion table in a moment. What's really important about kindness and goodness, the thing that I've sort of felt most about it 
It's not about striving. They're like waves. The fruit of the Spirit's like waves. It's not striving to get to the wave, but it's surrendering to the wave. It's, it's surrendering to God. We're not striving for goodness. We're not striving, but we sit into a place of surrendering. Earlier this, this morning, as, as Dave was playing, I just, I just had a sense. Becky got up and, and spoke, and I just had a sense. I was like, you need to get on your knees. You need to get on your knees. I was like, okay, I'll get on my knees. What does it mean to get on your knees? It's simply a sign of surrender to God. That I come under your authority. That I come under who you are. I am giving of myself up. I'm lowering myself and surrendering myself to you once more. I want to challenge you. Why don't you make it a spiritual practice getting on your knees? Why don't you do that? There's some things that you can set up. In your, I do it every single day. It's not a boastful thing. I'm not, oh, look at me, how holy I am. I get on my knees every single day. I purposely do it because there are days where I, 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 I don't want to do it. There are days where I literally, I get into bed and I'm like, oh, you haven't got on your knees today. And I have to force myself to get out of bed, to get on my knees, just as a sign of surrender that God, whatever's happened in my day, whatever's going on in my life, I bow to you and only you. No matter the chaos that I'm facing, the pain I'm facing, the frustration I'm facing, I surrender to you. There's one sign of surrender. And the other, another sign of surrender that we do is, is, is we raise our hands. We're, we're Pentecostal church. Sometimes we need to remember that. We raise our hands and we just say, God, like I'm like a, a father, like you're the father, sorry. And I'm just a child running to you. And I haven't got anything in my hands. I'm not going to try and fight. I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm just going to raise my hands and I'm just going to say, God, I surrender. Would you pick me up? Would you hold me? Would you be close to me? And another way we can show surrender is around the communion table. We're doing it a bit differently today um, for the purpose of we don't actually have many Becky was going to go out and we don't have many people to come around and serve so we're going to invite you within your own time to come up to the communion table now I know there's some people here who might not be able to come up to the communion table themselves and we do have the wonderful Tracy Pycroft with us um, and if you do need help if you, if you don't feel like you can get up then Tracy will come and serve you but if, if you can get up and you can make your way to the table, in your own time, you'll come up and, and surrender. Remember, we're moving from this position of posing to a, to a natural position. And I want to encourage you when Dave plays and we start to worship again, maybe you don't lift your hands up in worship and you, you're feeling a nudge. Maybe I'm going to look a bit silly. You know, often we sit in our chairs and we look cool. It's like... Uh, that's cool, that's nice, that's great, that's great. Thanks, thanks, man, that's great. And we, we, we try and act a way, like we haven't got any issues or problems. Like our lives are great. Every single one of us has issues and problems. And like, if you haven't got any issues or problems right now, that's fantastic, but don't get too comfortable. 
we didn't have issues and problems, we wouldn't need God. It's in our weakness that he is made strong. That he comes and he comes alongside us. And also you may just need to re-surrender your life to him. For the first time, for the 700th time, to say you are Lord, you are King, you are above all and beyond all. And I'm sorry for all my sin, but I come to you right now. So we're going to do that. That's quite a lot of ways to respond. I appreciate it. Knees, arms, communion table, maybe the most important one, giving your life to Jesus. <laughs> there will also be room for prayer. Um, maybe it's nothing to do with what I've spoken on today. Maybe it is, maybe you're thinking I need kindness in my life and I'm not being kind and I need, I need that. Maybe it's something else that's going on in your life and you're thinking I just need some prayer for this. There will always be room for prayer. Just come over this side. There's Tracy, there's me, Becky's still here. There's, there's a few people who can come alongside you and pray. So within your own time, would you come up to the communion table? Would you surrender? I'm just gonna read the uh, communion verses. <laughs> says, For I have received from the Lord which I have delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, that on the night which we was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a person examine themselves then. So to eat the blood and eat, eat the bread and drink the cup. So right now, um, you just come up, you take it. We're not gonna eat it together. We're just going to take it by ourselves. Um, whether you want to take it and go back to your chair to take it, whether you want to take it while you're still up here, it's up to you. But would you come when you're ready and comfortable, having examined yourself, to re-surrender to God once more, to Jesus once more? 